Where's the button? Buttons buttoned. Good to go. Fucking Strasser has not been on the air in like weeks. He did one two or three weeks ago. It's not even good. I think it's uh, this whole Ukraine thing. That's not his beat. Yeah, well, fucking land wars in Europe are more important than sending Strasser <laughs> somewhere across the eastern seaboard to talk to uh, nurses in the street or whatever. A podcast that would like to start with a history lesson, for the benefit of the ignorant among you, about the so-called independent podcast, The Biffer, sometimes called The Buffler or The Beefer, whatever they're calling it. It is more appropriately understood as a podcast that has never really existed, except as the result of balkanization imposed by anti-CIB counter-revolutionaries at the end of the last great content wars. There is only one real goal that these people have, these people committed to the fiction that is the Biffler as a so-called independent platform. The goal is to restrain the development of Cast Iron Brains, the great mother podcast from which all podcast greatness flows. What will no longer be in question is whether or not Cast Iron Brains will defend the lives and the rights of those ethnically and spiritually CIB podcasts that Western instigators have claimed for themselves. And all responsibility for the continuation of bloodshed will be entirely on the conscience of the regime illegitimately ruling over the People's Republic of Bufferington. Or whatever it is they're calling it. <laughs> my name is Bob. Sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's... Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How you doing, Lori? Farther away from the microphone than I want to be, but well, whatever. I'll just move the microphone <laughs> or your face. It won't. It's fine. Just no. want to note, I am not the one silencing female voices here. This is <laughs> Not this time, anyways. It's an institutional problem. An act... Wholly independent systemic. of my will, Lori is choosing to stand away from the microphone. Tonight is Monday, February 21st, 2022, President's Day, Abe. That's right. You got the day off work, didn't you? Yes. Woke up late. Very nice. There should be more of these days, I always say. <laughs> Don't By the way, did like you know? 400 days off work next year or something? <laughs> Not nearly enough, but yes. This is going to be the most days off I'll ever have, ever. The day after tonight is, you know, the, the numbers thing people are into, like two, two. The lottery. Like oh Tuesday. yeah, tomorrow's two, it, two, two, so, two, 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 two. Yeah, it's like two twenty two twenty two, and the Tuesday. day starts with a two Tuesday, right? So is it? This is just a. You made some comments about the Biffler and the other podcast. Is it a little known fact or a little known fiction? Uh -oh. Just here we go. Crossover. That crossover. We haven't even heard this segment in in months over on the Biffler. It, it was shelved. Uh, I'll bring it back at some point. But in some countries, is it a little-known fact or a little-known fiction that it is good luck to drop a deuce twice on one of these days? <laughs> Come on. Don't look it up. That's fiction. That's a fiction. That's fiction. Because no one calls it that except except this country. <laughs> there are countries on earth where it is good luck to drop a deuce on two twenty two. And I assume even more so on two twenty two twenty two. 
on that's a, right. when that's it's right. a and, Tuesday. And let the record show Bob is stalling as he's uh, searching for the answer. I can't see his hands. That's, that's a fiction. <laughs> okay. Fine. <laughs> totally made up. But just to be on the safe side, I will uh, rearrange my diet tomorrow to accomplish that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it would take all of like four seconds to Wikipedia up a page about how that is, in fact, uh, a little-known fact. <laughs> and if we had any sort of a, a following, I would e- expect that the, our great listeners out there in CIB land would do that. <laughs> anyway... I want to start by talking about because um, we don't, you know, I mean, there are big world-shaking events happening, but do we have anything intelligent to say about them? Largely not. So we'll shelve that for the back half of the episode and start by talking about a ten-year-old documentary that we watched this week on Netflix. Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. It's a 10-year-old documentary that we're watching because HBO is making, like, a scripted drama out of it. About it? HBO Max, okay. yeah. All right. So, so that's why the, we needed to watch it. Okay. It's called The Staircase. We started watching it probably a year ago or something. Uh, it's embarrassing to me that I hadn't watched it till now. Like, it would come up. It's, like, pop culture relevant sometimes. Yeah. And people are like, oh, like, in The Staircase. And I have to be like, I haven't seen it. Right, so we'd watch. I remember seeing this years fraud. ago, but yeah, we'd watched one episode like a year ago, and then never got back around to it. And then this week we started watching it again. The basic outlines of the story, without going into any like it's, I think there's eleven episodes on Netflix or something like that. So there, many. There it's were like initially 13. initially there were eight, and now they they've added a bunch because he had an appeal. Anyway, the the short summation of the story is that back in 2001 late 2001 this fella in durham north carolina was sitting out by his pool having had a couple bottles of wine with his wife his wife goes in for the night because she has an early morning he decides to still hang out by the pool and then when he goes inside the house at like 2 30 in the morning he sees her crumpled in a in a heap a bloody, disgusting heap at the bottom of the the staircase inside, still breathing but unconscious, and then calls 911, calls 911 twice. The second time that he makes the 911 call, he says she's no longer breathing. Ultimately, they come to suspect the husband in in fairly short order. Because it's always the husband. Like, they come to suspect it based on every single time a woman dies. Also... You fall down a flight of stairs, you don't usually crack your head open in multiple places and then bleed yeah, out. Yeah, usually you, like, break your ankle like Bob almost did just now because right. he's usually weak ankles. Usually if you bang your head, you maybe knock yourself unconscious and then you wake up with a concussion a few hours later. So, obviously, there was a great deal of suspicion of him. And then the the very lengthy 10, 12 hours of documentary goes on to show the preparations for the trial, the the People who made this movie had incredible access, more access probably to the defense side of things than to the prosecution. But they also got access to the portion of the family that thought that he did it. So it wasn't right. So they they weren't in the room with the prosecutors, but they were in the room with people who believed that he was guilty of this crime. The reason that I, I, I want to talk about it is because one of the funniest possible things happened. Bob wants happened. to get on record that he's probably not going to kill me. Well, sure. That, I mean, that, <laughs> that, that, Bob watches the whole time, like, 
fuck, if Lori dies, they're going to assume I did it, even R- if I didn't right. do it. Right. It's like, please don't die. Because- I've expressed publicly before that if I ended up uh, – and I I assume that these, these crazy murderers have some sort of a break where they just completely dissociate from – the fact that they had done it, even when they know that they did it, there's some, there must right. be some sort of psychological break that says, because if I did that, I would want to kill myself. And I think that I would go ahead and do it. He would just own up to it. He'd be like, right. I murdered her. Shouldn't have done it. But it, if you, if you were willing to do that, then you're probably not going to kill yourself. Right. right. That's what I'm saying is that it requires right. such a, like, I just cannot imagine living with the idea of killing anyone. Never mind right. my wife, right? <laughs> like, and I've, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to make myself into some sort of a hero here, but like, <laughs> he I just wants to put it out there the notion, that if I die, right. it's probably right. not directly his fault. Right. That's not what right. I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to <laughs> say is that, and, and spoilers here for the very old documentary that you yeah, should have already watched by now. You but, can't get mad at us. He ends up being convicted, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that he was convicted. Like, there's, it's plausible to imagine that he did the murder, but to suggest that it was beyond a reasonable doubt that he did the murder when there's no murder weapon, there's never any hint of a murder weapon, there was no blood I mean, on his. Him. He well, sure, the there was weapon. him, but like, they, the, the prosecution insisted that the murder weapon was this fireplace poker. Which is like this this hollow piece of metal. They called it a blow poke, which, you know. I want one. Me, yeah, well, no. don't we all? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> for the stated purpose, though, right? Not for yeah. right, off-label use. But no, because I don't think you could kill somebody with it. I mean, you'd... The highly motivated people can do a lot of things. I think it would more likely break. Yeah, yeah. it's just such a poor weapon. Right. Yeah. yeah. The reason that they settled on it was because it was light enough to cause deep skin lacerations in the skull without fracturing the skull and without causing brain damage. Because normally, when you beat someone to death with a blunt object... Not just normally, every single other time in the history of North Carolina. It's not that they bleed to death because their scalp was cut open and then they died. It happens because they like you caused a traumatic injury to the skull and the brain and then they died, right? That's usually how blunt object murders go in this case she just had a bunch of scalp lacerations with no brain bruising and with no skull fractures and bled out so the idea is that he did this and then just let her bleed there for four or five hours until she was on the precipice of expiring and then called 911 saying that he just found her at the bottom of the stairs creating what has to be considered one of the most implausible cover stories ever, which is that she fell down the stairs and banged her head multiple times, yeah. splitting her scalp open but not breaking any bones, and then she bled out, right? So it's just completely absurd. As a cover story, it doesn't make any sense. And we're not getting into the fact that some 20 years, 25 years earlier, something like that, another woman with whom he was... A family friend of his had a similar circumstance to where she had a stroke on a staircase and then fell down the stairs, and he was the last person to see her alive before she was found dead at the bottom of a staircase in Germany. There there seems to be like a genre of documentaries that fit this, So, and I've seen basically all of them, but I, I'm, I'm always forgetting which one is which because there was one where someone died 
in a bathtub and nobody really questioned it the first go around and then like when the second wife died they circled back to the first one no this is in this that. case did they not question the first death until the second death? um they questioned it but they were in germany and okay. the german like it's different like if someone dies they bring the emts they it's just a different protocol over there, which right. is unsurprising. But they ruled it. There was a doctor on the scene there that morning. There was a morning. doctor. Right. There was a doctor okay. on the scene that morning who did like a spinal tap on this woman. They ruled it like a and not they, a not an injury, like a hemorrhage. Right. Or she had some sort of a stroke. Aneurysm or something. And that's what they okay. decided. And then years and years later, when they've decided now that that must have been a murder because this one was a murder, all of the witnesses who they called from Germany to come to North Carolina to give testimony about that event that happened, all of a sudden remember the scene as like this disgusting, bloody murder scene, whereas in all of the police reports from Germany from 30 years earlier are that there was like a little bit of blood around where she fell from a small injury. Uh, so it's like they're misremembering the thing in their mind. Which almost. is normal for people to do. Right. Right. Their recollection basically has taken into consideration the new information. Or just and then your it, the new shorts things, with even the, without new information. The absolute horror of the photographs of this woman lying in, right. like, like the walls are covered in blood, yeah. the, the banisters are covered in blood, the floor is covered in blood, she is covered, like it's awful. Right. He ends up being convicted even though, basically in the closing moments of the trial, they stumble upon in their house the miss the so-called missing murder weapon that the prosecution said nobody was ever going to find because it was a murder weapon and they must have gotten rid of it and otherwise it would be in the house well in a corner in the garage in a dark corner of the garage covered in bugs and spider webs one of the sons eventually finds the so-called missing murder weapon and it had just been misplaced and the cops didn't find it when they issued when they did the search warrant on the house and so it looks like as you're getting to the end of this documentary like that is a compelling piece of evidence that like right whether you think the guy murdered his wife or not the entire story that the prosecution has told up to this point no longer makes any sense whatsoever and the jury acted on that story. Right. That and, that's how and this the, happened. And they end up and they end up convicting him anyway. Anyway, he goes away for, for ten years and then we pick up the story in twenty eleven or twenty twelve with his final appeal being that the guy who helped send him to prison, the guy who helped convict him, the the blood spatter expert for the city of Durham, ended Turns up out he sucks. Ended up being a total fucking fraud. Where he he had lied about experiments and he had withheld tests on a, on another case that would have exonerated a person who ended up going to jail unnecessarily for 17 years, who then ends up getting out because they prove that this guy had withheld information in his original right. trial. So now they're taking the fact that the, the blood spatter expert had been disqualified in this other case and saying, look, if he was disqualified there, he probably did some shady shit here. Right. And there's been a study of all of his work, and it turns out there was a ton of shady shit that he did, and he claimed to be this great expert who testified in dozens of cases and who had published hundreds of articles and actually this was only the fourth case that he ever testified in one of the other ones being the murder conviction that ends up getting overturned wow he'd falsified all of these all of his uh, credentials basically he was, a, he was a total fucking fraud 
and they end up giving him a new trial, and we haven't actually gotten this far. But I, I had gotten to the point where, because I'd held off for all this time on, on reading anything about this, because I was just right. enjoying the experience of watching the show, right? I was until he was convicted, and then I was not anymore. Right. And I yeah. need a happy ending Then they somewhere. drag it out. Yeah. I just need a happy ending. I don't... So I break down, and and then if you go because if you go through the list of episodes, because we're we're going through the list of episodes, and it's like you still have three or four episodes to go, and it's like an hour, an hour, an hour, and then there's this one thing, and it says the owl theory, and it's three and a half oh. minutes long. It's like what is the owl theory, and why is it only three and a half minutes? And that long? rang a bell in my head from just like reading about it. And Lori had the- read about it, and she's like, "Oh yeah, the owl theory, it's a thing." I, I just like, knew that there was a a theory about an like an owl theory. But I didn't know because I hadn't seen it. So we watched the like, thing. I- we watched. <laughs> we watched the three-minute owl theory video that Netflix has there. And it's- could I? Could I guess what? Because I yes. obviously have not seen this. Is the owl theory like an owl swooped in the home and thrown off the woman basically, and she just fell? Yes, basically. <laughs> but like, if you if you Did look at the injuries, the no. Owl? If you look at this woman's head injuries... All right, so wait, 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 wait. one second. So you have... It's By the call, way, it's called the that owl was the dumbest theory. thing and I could like, think of. I don't that was s- the dumbest thing I could think of. And- <laughs> it's part of the point. This is the whole point of, my, of why I'm bringing this up, is how fucking insanely absurd and stupid the, the whole thing is. So the video, three and a half minutes long, doesn't do a great job of actually saying what the owl theory is. Basically, it makes it sound like a couple of conspiracy nuts talked to the police or like, you know, the way that like the Redditors who investigate murders yeah. online and they the just Reddit put together all sorts of crazy shit. Up. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the citizen journalists or whatever trying to figure shit the out. The Boston Marathon comes to mind where they suspected some suicidal kid as being the culprit right. and they found his body. Right, yeah, that sort of that thing. Up. Yeah. But it's actually much more like legitimate than that. And you go and you read about it, and the theory was proposed by a guy who lived in their neighborhood, so knows all about the local flora and fauna, including <laughs> including the birds. And the theory is that she was walking back to her house, and a barred owl, B-A-R-R-E-D, that's what it's called, barred owl, which is a known uh, raptor known to attack humans, sort of out of the blue. For shits and giggles or for, like, food? Probably out of defense. Yeah, think believing mistakenly that it's under threat or something like that. Uh, the person that's I've on the ground. I've attacked by a bird, like a smaller, harmless bird. But, like, I've yeah. walked by trees where there's, like, a nest in it, and the bird has... Walking from your apartment downtown Athens to the parking lot. Why are you laughing? Oh gosh, that's absurd. At the Classic Center parking garage. Oh, what if that caused you to like slip and fall or something? That would have been. I, but I, it was a small bird. So yeah. it was she, fine. Yeah, she slips and falls in the parking deck, and all of a sudden, I'm on trial in Clark right. County for the murder of my girlfriend. Well, you should have walked <laughs> me bird. there. How about that? First, I refuse to believe that at any point I would have refused to walk you. No, to... I'm sure you were just working anyway. It would have been funnier if you somehow witnessed this, and then you crazily said it was the bird. It was, it was the bird. bird. They're arresting you. <laughs> 
anyway, <laughs> the theory goes that the bird swoops down and lands on her scalp and starts using its very sharp talons uh, to to tear at her scalp. And then you look at the pictures of the scalp after they've shaved her head, and like you've been looking at these. Yeah, we were watching this for fucking ten hours, right? So we've seen the the bare scalp with the with the weird cuts on it. And I had said at some point during one of the final episodes, I'd said it doesn't even look like it looks like she was attacked with a knife in the head. But as, like gently. But like, yeah, as though somebody just like quickly ran a knife across her scalp a whole bunch of times. Like the like if you were trying not to kill someone. But just right. trying to injure them, which is a like weird a thing to try to right. do. Exactly like <laughs> a bird would do with their very sharp talons, right? So I right. had predicted the owl theory, except that I assumed that somebody just took a knife and like was trying to carve up her head or something, like a Last of the Mohicans type thing or something like that. Right. It turns out they found microscopic owl feathers in the hair. They found fucking feathers Th- and... In her hands was her own hair. So, like, let's say I'm being attacked by my husband. I'm not going to pull my own hair. What? How does this help? But but if a bat or a bird flies into your hair and you're trying to get it the fuck out, you might then tear some of your own hair out in the process. Especially if you're drunk. She'd had a full bottle of wine. Now, is it possible... As absurd as this theory is, is it possible that this bird was under the direction of the husband? <laughs> I he guess anything's possible, but because he, I mean, at this Abe, point, Abe, he was a bisexual. Yeah, so that's who the knows other thing. That's these, the other thing. So this guy bisexuals. has homosexual tendencies, <laughs> so you can't trust him. And you know, they do have a way with. They the, might the commune foul. with the animal world in certain ways because, of course, bestiality is just one small step away from the horrors and ravages. <laughs> the owl was jealous, actually. Bisexuality. <laughs> now, I, I suspect the original conviction was because the way the story goes, there was no one other than those two. There was no home invasion. Right. He's there the was no husband. Third party. So he's the husband. He's the last one right. to see her alive. And there's nobody else who could even plausibly be considered. Like there's no evidence whatsoever of a home invasion, right? So it doesn't make right. any sense to blame anybody but the husband. My when I watched it, and again I I, I misremember some things, but you know, anytime something like this happens, I'm always like, maybe you can pin it on the cat if they had a yeah, cat. Yeah, you know, the cat. cat. There's a dog. If there right. had been a cat, the owl would have attacked the cat, and all oh, this would have been fine. It would have fine. been so sad. Maybe that's why the bird got there. Because like the other, how did they? How do these uh, bird people explain what the fuck is the bird doing? Like it just They're swoops in, in randomly. They live on an estate no, no, no. in North so, Carolina. So the end of the theory is not that because at first the way that it's presented in the in the Netflix video is like you think, wait, are they saying that the owl was inside the house, like, hanging right, out, like waiting, perched in the waiting. stairway, waiting for her just to waiting. come inside or something? No, apparently what they think is that as she was heading inside, just before she gets inside the door. It attacks her, and she manages to get away, and the stairway is just like 10 or 15 steps away from the porch door, the back door that she had come in. And so she's, like, trying to go to the kitchen sink, or she like she's completely disoriented. She's also drunk. And also drunk, so she's, like, she's in a She's not run- bloody at this point? No, she So they're is. saying that... No, she, they're so saying th- she there's is. There's no blood in the there's no entryway. Blo- no blood gets tracked in, but... There's, a, there's some. There's, like, some random blood 
it's hard to describe, but it's, it's not like there's a trail of blood, but there is blood like 10 feet from where all the blood is. Right. They find a couple of weird specks of blood. like weird spots. But, but nothing to suggest that like she was dripping piles of blood. So the, the theory goes on to say that's, so she gets to the stairway, she's drunk, she's just been attacked by an owl, and then she slips on the third or fourth stair falls back, bangs her head into it, which is what, now that her head is covered in blood, and then it has that rough impact with the with the wood of the staircase, now it just splatters blood the fuck everywhere. Right? Okay. And that- now, just a couple of questions. Not to besmirch the, this great woman who's dead now. She wasn't concerned at all. What if there were more birds? Why don't she uh, tip off her husband? No, like, by she the way, was con- she was concerned for a good few minutes until she died. She's freaking the fuck out. What? I mean, what do you no, mean alert the husband? She was somewhat alive before she went up the stairways, and then she fell and hurt right, but herself. She didn't make it up. She, she didn't make it up more than two or three stairs. So she's right, she gets into the house because in her direction. husband is her husband is still out there by the pool. And the right. stairway, the inside, is way closer than the husband by the pool. I don't so, think she was expecting also, an onslaught yeah, of more I owls. I don't think she was thinking. Well, if there's one bird, there's always That's more than in one bird. That's not, it's always true. Not with I'm owls. telling you, there's always more than these I'm birds. I'm telling are... you, this is different. <laughs> the owl fucking did oh, no. it. This it whole the theory owl. is fucking stupid. I mean, there's no way Abe, that that's true. Abe, you should there, watch. They, no found, that's they true. found an actual bird feather, and then you they found then they found microscopic feathers in her hair that she had clutched and pulled out of her own head. Like it is. Could that not have been any other point other than Nietzsche dying? Yeah, probably is there anything not. That there's time probably not. No. You, there's no, how much? Do you think that people are just walking around hair? with microscopic this, owl feathers in their hair right now? It that is more likely than this. All right. Absurd. So here's the thing. Story. Okay, you should watch except, this. Except that it explains right. everything yeah, better than no, any other. Bird it does. Did it? Come on. It explains Take everything it better than any other theory. Look, and because look, why would you try to murder someone by cutting their scalp open and letting them bleed to death? Who do, like how is right. that a plan? No, it wasn't a good plan. Obviously, this wasn't a planned out thing. They you probably need had to an watch argument it and it'll be and whatever. Good because you can. Like you could no, probably don't, don't get go a, back and rewatch a ten year old shitty murder. Or just do it during your work like the day. first time watching it. You know, yeah. to no, me, it's so. because you could totally watch it while doing other shit. Yeah. Also, I, my, I'll just find again. Photos. My initial thinking is that he likely did it. No stupid bird. No cat. No nothing. But. You need the evidence to support it, and they didn't have it. So it's one of those things like he likely did it, but we can't convict on what we have. But this concocting of this absurd, a bird swooped so, in. But that's and the thing. Like, this was not so, – so this is what I'm getting at. This was not concocted by anybody on his defense because it's so completely absurd, right? Yes. Instead, it had to be concocted by someone – a third party looking at all of the evidence and the evidence that was ignored, which is the fucking bird feathers and the fact that like the shape of the scars or the, the, the tears in her scalp are sort of talon like. So this talon like attack I'm happens outside some distance away from the pool. I take it, but it is such a big, large Massive property estate. that he can't hear the no. commotion and at the of pool, the bird. There's like a fountain yeah, there's that a makes fountain constant by the noise. Pools. But also, no, it's a massive... They're, also, they're wealthy, wealthy, wealthy people. Right, and he's, and, and he's drunk. Hold on, And hold he's on, drunk, but he had, he's been sober in the past, I take it, and it never occurred to him because if this is an issue that happens in that part of the country, this wasn't something that was top of mind to this guy while he was 
facing life in jail. No, it but doesn't. Some that's fucking, the thing. It doesn't. It doesn't happen enough for but, anybody to consider it as a possibility. But there's, they probably have had close calls in the years they've lived there right. of birds coming in no. with the wrong information. Think about I just think it. it's no, just preposterous. Retro, no, but think about but, him. Think about him responding to the bird owl theory, saying, "You know, as it turns out, we did have some aggressive birds on the property." You wouldn't yes. believe him. You wouldn't. You wouldn't say, "Oh, well, in that case, sir, no, no, I rest my the, case." <laughs> the lawyers would rightfully not mention that at trial, but they would have said, "You know, he did float this ridiculous idea that we didn't use." Nothing, none of that. Just some weird, less reverse engineer based on, you know, except, the except that wounds. Reverse, like, reverse engineering the bird attack from the evidence is actually way more compelling than the story that was told by the prosecution, which is that the wife found out that he was bisexual who, and, and having illicit homosexual oh, I'm affairs. Oh, looking at the pictures now. Yeah. yeah, and look at this is the, like, um, animated drawing, which is sort of better. But, like, that's not a person. It looks exactly like very sharp talons there, attacked it, her no. skull. This is, uh, it does, uh, just <laughs> for the record, it does look exactly like Bob says, but it's not. There's no way. This reminds me of the, uh, remember the World Trade Center going down, 9-11, and people yeah. were, like, working their way backwards. This must be true because this happened, but there's always, like, a plausible no, explanation no. So as to why. So here's want. the fucking thing when you say that. That's what the prosecution does. They make up a story and then right. they try to twist everything around to fit right. it. Right, right, all the way right. down, all the way down to the alleged murder weapon, which they never had, right. but they got as a as a theory from the sister-in-law, who's like, "Well, they used to have this thing in the house that's no longer there, so maybe that's what he used to kill her." And then they build their whole case around that, combined with a fictional fight that they imagine happened between him right. and his wife about gay porn that, that she found on their computer and him e- right. him emailing with a gay prostitute like so they invent this whole backstory the exact thing that you're complaining about with the owl theory except right. that it is even more it implausible is, no but that's what i'm saying these are two separate issues they had insufficient evidence to convict the this defense is so preposterous it's not a defense that's the this beauty of this because the other end of the story is that uh he ends up taking an alfred plea where he says, "Yeah, like uh, you know, he's I, guilty, but they let him out." I, I did it. Right? Can I, yeah. I get out now? Which is my least yeah. favorite plea. The, the, the Alfred plea is just totally bogus. It, it, so every awful. time I hear about it, I hate it. At no point have I ever heard someone taking the Alfred plea where I believed that they were actually taking responsibility or that I believed that they had actually done the thing. Like every time you right. hear about somebody taking an Alfred plea, it's just a way to make sure that they can't sue the state for the state's right. shitty behavior. It's just, so the state can save face. Yeah. They don't have to pay anybody. And they can just point to saying that we got a guilty conviction, even mm-hmm. though their whole argument has since fallen apart. Yep. You know. All right. But here's why, I, here's, here's why I laid in bed last night laughing out loud over and over again. It was fun. And, and why I want to bring it up tonight. It's because it's impossible to imagine watching this show knowing what I know about the owl theory now. Like you cannot, you cannot go back and say, okay, the end of this story is that that in the last three minutes, we're going to tell you that it was a, it was an angry raptor who attacked her from a high tree and then she died in the stairs. Whereas, because the the movie is made... 
this fucking money and time all and the, heartbreak. All the money and time the and family like the, torn apart. the sturm and drang of the whole thing. Like the that we go to fucking Germany twice and we're talking about this woman. And the it, daughter leaves the family. The family the drama. The family. Yeah, the sister and the and the sister-in-law are now like oh that's gay, right. They, they find the gay prostitute to come like be a character witness. Like it, it was a fucking owl. <laughs> And it was an owl. And, and like, you cannot possibly. (laughs) Like, think how mad you would be if you go to watch that movie. And it's like this deep, like, this character study of what it means to be a human and what it means to be in a family and and the way that all of these relationships interact with each other. And they point to his privilege. Like, he even says, like, how do poor people deal with this? Like, I am using all of my money for these great attorneys. A deep study of the American justice system and its flaws and its and its the thing all of those that it has flaws. going for it and then you get to the last like the the end credits scene is like oh and by the way what actually happened is it was a fucking owl that attacked her and then she bled to death and that's the whole like that's like it's a level of absurdity that i cannot believe is not a story that I wrote for my, unpub- my unpublished yeah. collection of short stories that I wrote fucking 15 years ago. Like, it's, it's literally, that's how stupid it is that it yeah. ends, like, that's, and the idea that, that we can exercise any level of control over the world around us and that, that humans are so insistent on finding narrative and finding right. a reason and finding out why. And and like and like the the prosecutor is just so heavily invested in this story, and the sister has lost her fucking mind because she spent fifteen the last ten now twenty years hating this man for having done something that he probably didn't do. And that oh, it, it stay has, the course. Okay, uh, let's not get sure. carried away. But it it has defined her, right? It it yes. gave her purpose. She is seeking justice for her sister. It gave her purpose and meaning and all of the rest. She she took this narrative and she plastered it over the the completely chaotic and absurd reality that we all have to live in and we all have to share. And then you pull back the curtain and it's a fucking mindless angry raptor tearing at a woman's <laughs> scalp Who until she bleeds to death. It was in a threat. Like it thought it was being attacked, so right. it attacked the, the back. The owl's so stupid. The universe so fucking stupid <laughs> that it arranges everything in such a way that the owl feels threatened by the woman right. walking away from it into a house that it has to swoop down. Like just billions of years of evolutionary pressure <laughs> resulting in this owl on this right. tree at that moment determining that that head of hair is a fucking threat to its survival and that it is right. going to swoop down. That was the wrong read. Yes. yes. And then we but- have and then everything that spills out from this, right? This right. whole this whole big fraught thing where everyone has this existential crisis and it defines his daughter's lives, right? Like wait, the guy who I loved killed my my adoptive mother is that possible even if i don't believe it is it possible and you can see the look on these girls faces what it has done to them for their entire adult lives the way it's made them question everything and all it is is it was a fucking owl and it's it's just so perfect it's exactly what i love about the 
JFK conspiracy theory that says that probably it was just a Secret Service agent who, like, tripped and his gun accidentally went off and it blew out JFK's brain. That the second right. shooter all along that we've been searching In for commotion, for all these years right. is right. just this, <laughs> the idiot Secret Service guy who trips on a shoelace or something as he's running alongside the car and blows JFK's brains out onto the hood. Like, right. it, it's just so perfect and stupid that I, I don't care. That's, it, it is... Whether it, it, it he he could confess, confess on his deathbed that it, yeah all right I admit it I did it it won't matter to me I would because, really want to know how because I it, would really sure, want to know how I would he love did to it. know how I as killed well. a bird and I got its fangs. <laughs> I attacked her from behind with the with the malformed detached talons of a raptor I found. But but to me it won't matter because the the right. metaphor is too perfect the story is yes. is like it's too totally complete with the knowledge that and then because then you can turn it back on me like my dumbass sitting on my couch for like 3 3 out of the last 5 nights watching this drama play out in front of me getting invested in the characters forming opinions thinking about the american justice system thinking about how fucked up it is that this guy was bl- was that that they ran his sexuality out on a pike in order to make him seem like a weirdo so that they can convict him for murder like all of the weird feelings and thoughts that you have when you're invested in a drama and then the joke on me is that it was a fucking owl <laughs> like that, it's just it's such a perfect troll of everyone involved from the murderer oh. to the murdered woman to to the the families to the viewer 20 years later to the filmmaker like it's all perfect <laughs> look at that owl okay so <laughs> just, the, Look at I, that I, fucking I owl. That, that's the I, owl that's going to go. In the, if you go to brainiron.com, you can see the vicious creature responsible possibly for so, this attack. The owl theory, the more I hear of it, that I do find it even more absurd and funny, right? Take 10 seconds. This, before you just – uh, I, I, I commend the readers to go to the Wikipedia page and just – it's 250 words. The owl theory is very short. <laughs> it right. doesn't take a lot. There was an owl. There was an owl. <laughs> the evidence is there. That's all I'm saying. Right. Right. All I'm saying, there is no scenario, none where that is true. But be that as it may, I, uh, in middle school, had a geography teacher. He got struck by lightning twice. This owl thing would be like as if he got struck like three times, like impossible, right? <laughs> what are the chances that it happened the third time, right? But the failure here was in the conviction. Like all other things came after that. Basically, there is this unwillingness for people to say that there are certain things we don't know and we shouldn't just be making shit up to make the story fit, right? If you don't have all the stuff you have to just then let him go, right? I mean, it's like that whole, you would rather, well, I should paraphrase it to say you would rather construct a system that would let 10 guilty people go free than convict one innocent person. Basically, it's like, it has to be very, like overwhelming Very controversial evidence. take you have there, Abe. I've seen, you, I've seen you have to debate this in public before. Yes, which I'm sure there are some of those people in the jury where there's this information vacuum, but they're like, who else could have done it, right? Yeah, I have a, right? I have a theory that I've, I will never find out if this is true because so, it's way too dumb. So I think that in cases like this, you have 12 people, right? Yeah. Let's say half of them kind of go in assuming guilt no matter what 
Okay. Just like they think people are shitty. Right. Yeah. And right. then the you, other you, half. You wouldn't be here if you weren't already guilty. That, that yeah, sort of mindset. Yeah, there's a lot of right. people who are like that, especially yeah. when it's like men murdering their wives just because statistically, right. usually. Right. I wonder if the same people who sort of assume the guilt of someone and assume the worst in people are also the people who tend to be the ones to persuade other people who are not like that. Whereas people who are more, not even open-minded, but like kind of, you know, just like, we'll see. If they hear the whole trial and then at the end are like, I don't know, I would bet that that type of person is also less likely to be the type of person to convince others of their non-stance. Right. right. Yeah. No. So certain, certainty. We should throw our system away and start over with a new one because <laughs> right. that's a real problem. <laughs> I disagree with at your the conclusion ver- there, b- but but at the very least, stick to the the current system. Like you have to have beyond a reasonable. Not like he likely did it, which is what I think. But that's not the bar. I, w- I would have voted against. Right. It's, could he maybe have? Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. You're probably, not going to put somebody yeah, to jail for that. You're in prison forever. Right. It was a, it can't it was be a, that. What was gross about this one in particular is that it, it seemed to come down to they believed that it was more likely than not that he did it. And then they threw in the weird sex stuff that in the year 2002 was much weirder to a much wider audience than it would be now. That the fact that he was admitted to have had a whole bunch of sex with men and had been in contact with a male prostitute who he was planning on meeting up with but eventually apparently never did but the fact that the prosecutor was able to get up there and say he was going to do anal sex with this right. man and like that's not me I'm not paraphrasing no, that's, that was her that's accent basically a direct <laughs> quote I might as well have just uh piped her in there <laughs> and that wasn't like that was the only reason that she's doing that is because she thinks that these 12 people are going to be grossed um, out And by also that. because she was, like, not handling it okay. She, like, the whole time, if the subject of homosexual sex came up, she, like, started sweating. She okay. could not handle the reality of the world. Right, and, like, I these mean, days, we've got plenty of, like, you know, people have open marriages, and it's, like, a common, relatively common thing to talk about. I mean, it's 20 years ago, but, like, wasn't it 2003 since they got rid of the sodomy laws or whatever, like, in Texas? Like, right. It's the... not illegal, but it, she just clearly... No, but... No, what he's saying is 20 years ago, there were still... Yeah, there, there were There were probably still, 25 yeah. states with sodomy laws still on the books. And, and, yeah. and in the 20, 2004 election, the, the, there was, like, a promise of, like, making a constitutional amendment, yeah. banning gay... You know, there was, like, that kind of sentiment. Yeah, yeah it, so... was two, it was 2004 that Georgia passed their uh, defense of marriage law that, that said marriage was just a man and a woman. That feels like a lifetime ago. It's weird how like that's just like all of that just kind of went away. It's because it was almost twenty yeah. years ago. Speaking of which, yeah. so we can news peg this now. We can we can take my silly and no pegging here. Come on, forty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my forty minute digression into a documentary that no one has thought about for the last ten years, probably. No, people thought about it. That's why they made a show about it on HBO <laughs> Max out this spring. Okay, go watch that or don't, or we just wait for the uh, HBO show in a couple of months. The news peg that I'm talking about is that there's a story, uh, new polling, about the percentage of Americans 
who identify as part of the LGBTQIA plus community is uh, higher than it's been before. Uh, the number is up to 6%, apparently. And the overwhelming majority of that is people who are identifying as bisexual. Right. People who previously, you know, passed for straight are now calling themselves queer and they are they're sort of claiming the mantle of the of the oppressed in a certain way and and juicing the numbers of the LGBTQ community. What what was the prior figure that they had? One percent? Like what four, was the like previous four figure? and three percent in the past, five okay. percent I think as high as but the fact that it is people in heteronormative relationships who are now calling themselves bisexual, identifying as bisexual, that's growing. So to, to the point where if, if trends continue, the majority of people who identify as part of the LGBTQ community will be people in heterosexual relationships. Right. But does that uh, mean that they it doesn't – so, okay, let me rephrase this. You can be a virgin and identify as straight, right? You just haven't had any sex yeah. with anybody, let alone somebody opposite your sex, yeah. right? And so yes. if you're in a committed relationship that is, uh, you know, you're a man and your partner is a woman, but you also identify as having attraction to, to men, even though you've never have yeah. in the past and never will in the future, I'm just making this up, you never actually act on this. Does that mean you're not? I mean, can't, isn't it whatever you say it is? Like if you it's think whatever you're, you say you, it is, right? So like if you have that attraction to men, but you've just in high school you was going out with girls, you married a girl, and you have kids, and da 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 da. But occasionally you see some, you know, I don't know, some good looking guy. You're like, oh look at that. But that's it. You're still <laughs> a bisexual in this little number thing, right? Isn't that how that works? Yeah. Right. So it's a wonderful inversion of the classic sort of highly Catholic understanding of what sin is, right? So in sort of classical, I guess this is also the way that evangelicals look at it because they're so convinced of man's filthy soul. But in, in Christian circles, you often hear things like, we're all, you know, our best deeds are but filthy rags uh, before God. And uh, he who lusts in his heart has already committed the sin of adultery, right? So right. a man who plays the uh, would you game with his buddies at work about the, the secretary. You know, hey, right. hey, what about her? Would you? <laughs> uh, and he says, he, he, even in the contemplation of that answer, the yes or the no, is exercising a portion of his, of his brain or his spirit that results in a sin against his wife, right? So he's, right. he's, he's contemplating lusting for someone else. In, in the Catholic tradition, that would be that would be a sin. That is the sin of adultery, even though he didn't act on it, right? Even so, if you change that slightly, it's not someone they know, a coworker or whatever. It's like some far away, like celebrity. You're never going to meet Scarlett Johansson, and it's one of those kind of like ah, blah blah blah. Right. Like, is that also a, a sin? Yeah, absolutely. In, in, if you have a jokey list about like uh, who you are allowed to cheat on your spouse with, in case you ever right. meet like Salma Hayek or whatever, or, or right. uh, Jessica Alba. Or Jessica Alba, for example, uh, or Rihanna, I think would be uh, another one for 
certain people in, in another podcast that is not at all associated with this podcast because of its blatant and ongoing misogyny, which I just want to I want to make that clear. There's no anyway. Uh if you have a, a pretend list where you can eventually meet uh, your uh, celebrity that you would then be permitted to bang, uh, according to your spouse, uh, then that is, yes, also uh, the sin of adultery. Wow, very strict rules but in this what, What's amusing to me about that is that it's, it's only a slight inversion the way that these straights are now identifying as bisexual because it's like they got they popped half a chub when they were play fighting with their buddy in junior high or whatever. Oh, I see. Or maybe they got into a race bait uh, like sitting around watching porn together or something hey, like what that. Bait? <laughs> <laughs> that was the 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 using that particular phrase. The phrase was race bait, and I will allow the rest of you to uh, fill in the blanks there. That was specifically for ra- one listener out there who knows what I'm talking about and is and is filled with a deep shame. And I won't say his name. Can I name all the listeners? I bet I can. Would they know immediately that you're referring to yes. them? Oh, they- yes. Yes. Race bait. Race bait was this person's uh, favorite joking term. Okay. Uh, something that he disclosed that he participated in that uh, many people laughed at him for. Uh, but, you know, to, to each their own. I'm, I don't know how this person identifies if he's one of the many 6% who now considers themselves bisexual despite only ever having been in heterosexual heteroromantic relationships and it's fine people can i i'm not i'm not saying that people are dispermitted from identifying how they want to identify but i do think it's funny that the way that they're thinking about their sexuality is is a weird slight i don't know if it's an inversion or just a perversion it's just an overthinking just do you of the catholic way of of considering what sex is and what constitutes a sin just to kind of uh, clear up one point, is that the makeup of this increase? Like, is that the majority of it? The the bisexual, let's yes. open up the playbook group. Yes. Uh, so it's not like okay, because when I first read the the number, I just thought the environment is more inviting and welcoming, and people who were already whatever letter are now just more comfortable being out as that, and not so much like somebody's trying to. This seems uh, unfair to them, but like padding their stats or anything. Oh, yeah, I'm this and that, right? Like it's, it's not—they're not doing it in some sort of cynical kind of thing, right? Oh, well, just- they don't—they wouldn't consider it cynical in any way. They—they they would consider it, I'm sure, in fact, a form of allyship to take. But that, on- that's like one of the letters, right? Ally, right? You can just do that. You don't have to. Yeah, but is that is that good enough, or is it better if you your if you yourself can identify as queer? Yeah, I guess that's true. That is kind of interesting that now it's actually like. Again, not taking a sickle, cynical uh, angle here, but like there's a currency to some of the groups that were marginalized and I guess still are. But now it's like, oh, I am this. Right. But also, doesn't it define down what it means to be in that group to the point where it's not really – I mean it, it's sort of it, – it is a form of erasure of the suffering of all of these other people if now I get to just claim that – I'm in this group, even though I don't have to wear any of the baggage that actually goes with being in the group, right? But I always thought that that was already the case, right? Because, like, you know, L, you know, like le- gay people at a certain period or trans people at any time, you know, they've had it, you could say, worse than a bisexual person that can blend into, you know, any community, right? Like, it, it's if you, like, you know, the example I gave 
earlier, nobody would know unless you said, I am bisexual, right? That you have, you're married in a heteronormative kind of structure and everything looks, appears to be fine in that way. So somebody could have always made that claim that you're saying now that like, oh, they're, yeah, they're diluting the hardships and da 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 da. Well, and my fundamental take is the same as it is with almost any group identifier, which is that I just cannot put myself in the mind space of wanting to or needing to identify myself as one particular thing because of all of the other things that that communicates about my alleged person to somebody else outside of my control, right? Like the notion of ever calling myself a Republican to say nothing of the last five years of what it means when you say, yeah, I'm a Republican in these last five years. It would never ever would I would I say that and the same goes for a Democrat I don't even like to identify as an independent because of the things that that connotes to right. other people and certainly never as a, as a libertarian either because but everybody never, else you, has their own definitions well it's also but, I think of I can think of three dudes that I've known in my salon life that fully identify as gay right. but like they have sex with girls sometimes and they yeah, it, like it's just they identify as gay, right? But like, yeah, it's a weird. It, it's a weird. What does it matter if someone's bisexual? <laughs> like, what does that have to do with anything? But you know, I can kind of see that point, and that's how I've always been. But like, I also wonder, like, if you were, if your identity or one part of your identity had like a big impact on your formative years, your your kind of whole way of looking at the world is going to be impacted by that, right? So like if you're gay coming up in some bumfuck town somewhere and it wasn't so open as it is in a big city, like you being gay is like significant to how you kind of live. And so you kind of wrap your head and your identity around that. If you're somewhere else, different setting, different context, maybe that wouldn't play such a big role. That's like one of the many things that you are. And so you would just be whatever, right? So like, I, I do wonder if... This is, so this is where I want... So this is where I get lost because like to me, I've never... And, and I'm sure, yes, people will say, oh, it's just a sign of your privilege, male privilege, white <laughs> privilege, heterosexual privilege, right? I and mean, it literally is. It, sure. But at the same time, there are plenty of cisgendered white male people who have these very intense identity ideas about themselves yeah you're not that either so i yeah i wonder like is there something weird about my brain or or, no no. it's not weird except that you keep thinking that it no what's weird is that you act like you're special in this particular way it's because I, i to the extent that i mean special is the right or wrong word for it i don't know but i think that i am an outlier certainly if there's a bell curve of people who are curious about or wonder about or think about their identity like it has never yeah i think that you that's a a symptom of twitter i think that out in the world people don't actually do that as much as you think they do yeah it's not just twitter there are People that I've worked with, and yeah, I know, you like to present me as this completely hermited lunatic who never sees or talks to any real human beings, which, fair, 
but it's Most not like true. I didn't get more than my fair share of the general public in my time out in the world. And there are people who identify in all sorts of insane ways that don't have anything to do with, like, you know, I'm from fucking Watkinsville, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a happy white trash redneck. Like, and it, that sort of thing is important to their identity. And I, right. I've just never experienced sort of personifying my identity as being separate from the ongoing thoughts inside my brain. I just think part the of that, that is that you don't notice do. when someone else is like that because they just seem normal to you. And also, you know, the way you go about things, your your worldview, everything is kind of shaped and modeled by either your peers, your parents, or whatever, your environment, right? And I've always, I've never been able to like identify with any of the groups that I fit into, the closest thing being being a man. Because like the only thing we're like, they, you know, they segregate, oh, you got to piss in this trough here. And so like a distinction is constantly made that I'm a guy and not a, a girl, right? But all the other things, like it, it's, it never comes up. So it's, right, I but never... like even, even being a man, like, and, and I didn't choose any of these fucking weird variables that have contributed to making me the person that I am. So why would I be like unnaturally proud of those things on that point bob don't you ever like pause whenever because i i kind of see what where you're getting at but I've, i'm always kind of resistant to kind of make any claim on on how people view the world because why is it that you know when i came across like the veil of ignorance concept like it appealed to me and like so a lot of times like my worldview is basically like any sort of thing, just be mindful that you're in this situation, but you could very well be in any other situation, right? And so, like, devise a position that would be okay no matter what you are. So, like, don't, like, cater to, like, a man or, or black or a Georgian or whatever just because that's your current situation. Because you could be anybody. You could be some woman in some indigenous place, right? So it's like your worldview constructed in such a way where it works no matter where you are placed in that world – but I was attracted, so I don't know what got me. So if this information or this concept was presented to a hundred people, and only like three people were like gravitated towards that, and everybody else was like fuck that, I'm gonna do this other thing. That's not. I can't take ownership on that. It's, it wasn't like I, I guess I should say it wasn't like a conscious choice to look at the world the way I do. It just kind of it just made sense to me from the get go. And so like maybe. It's part environment, right. part nature. I don't know what it is, but like, it's not something that I can teach somebody else to do because it just comes naturally to think of it things that way. Just as I assume that it's natural for the other people to hang their hat on like group identity because there's strength in numbers and they can see some commonalities and fellowship and blah, right. blah, 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 and blah. And that's right? all I'm so, saying is that I think that I'm an outlier from the identity game in, in a very similar way to the way that you are and that it would it's hard for me to be friends with or associate with people who take really seriously any one particular facet of their identity as a way right. of defining themselves. Even if you, even if let's say you accepted that that's just their way of looking at the world, it's not like some sure, discretionary I, but, but, thing. But, but you're never going to stop me from poking fun at you if you're a fundamentalist right. Christian. <laughs> like if, if, yes. if you have come to define the entire point of life on earth in terms of uh, the, the, the half a dozen books of the Bible that you've casually glanced at and then heard someone preach at you for your entire life. Like, I'm going to interrogate that on a regular basis. That will be a, an important part of 
our relationship moving forward. And to the extent that right. you can tolerate that as an as a human being who thinks that that's a worthwhile endeavor to continue to, to communicate with me on that level, then that's how our relationship is going to be. That th- those right. will be the terms, right? Right. So like any, and that goes for anybody who makes fundamental to them something about their the the happenstance of their their circumstance here whether it's being like weirdly upfront about their gender presentation right like i'm i'm perfectly happy to be polite and and treat you like i would treat any other human being right. but if you're going to present in a in a forward facing way that this one thing is the most important thing on the planet i'm going to interrogate that because it's just completely foreign to the way that i experience the world Right. I, I There's a lot of deference that I have for how people look at the things. The one area where I will not push back, but I, w- I, w- I, I can find criticism is when people take the way they look at things and then they'll say, they'll kind of categorize you. They're like, well, you're a white man. So, blah, blah. you know, like, it's like, I am what I, I can't change those things. Like, you know, like if, if you criticize someone else because obviously as a so-and-so, or anybody who says a, anybody who says as a you, I think we can completely dismiss most of the time, right? And not 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 dismiss that person, but to dismiss the idea that that carries any sort of fucking rhetorical or or argumentative weight, right? A, as a da 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 da, da I'm done. I, I've so I've like already... if somebody was like you, you so you don't even see any possible benefit. Like I'm not a parent. If somebody told me as a parent, da da da, it's a pain in the ass. Like okay, I mean I'll take. I mean I'm not a parent, but yeah, I guess I I just, a parent as a, is as, the one as that a like, parent can fuck right off too. Well, but I can say I say I don't know twice a week that I might think one thing as like normal but as a parent i might think and like if i'm looking at it from the perspective if i'm only thinking about my life as it relates to the parent of my children i might approach something one way but if i look at it from a different lens as a hairstylist then i might look at it as a different right. way except that as if i hear anybody say as a white man you can't or you yeah, haven't that's or different. you I'm only i'm just saying yeah. that you no, can't you can just fuck throw right away. off because the only right. thing that is that you're telling me is that as a whatever the hell it is that you are that is differentiated from the thing that you're saying that i am then like what gives you the authority of my position is is all that it comes down right. to and, because and, and, i don't do that i don't do that to anybody else right i don't right. i don't take from them the authority of their position based on anything that that i choose about myself and and no one else should be doing that to me right and yeah you're right the argument should stand or fall on its own right um there are some i guess carve outs i could think of like if i as a man was talking a lot of shit about how it is to be pregnant and like it's not so bad and you know like yeah, but what is that? You're, just, you're just doing a bit right like that's not like nobody's no, taking no, but that what I'm saying is, i mean it's a ridiculous example but there are times where people will will make a statement that is not supported by an experience it's just like it's just an idea you have in your head and then there are the people who are actually experiencing no one person's opinion should be more than the other but like if a bunch of people who've experienced this thing are saying one thing, and then just some Yahoo is right. saying, "Well, but that's because my perspective is also it's imperative that I not attach rigid and inflexible ideologies to the entire world." Right? right. Like, that, that goes hand in hand with the way that I see things 
anyway, right? Which is that I, I'm not trying to take an absolute morality and apply it to everyone and say this is how things are. Because that would be absurd of me right. to suggest that as a blah, 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 <laughs> that I could no, actually do I, that. I guess let me make a, a slightly better ex- example, which would be like everybody has experience with the police, right? And then if there's like a segment of the population that has had historically – bad experiences with it and then they they speak on that everyone else will compare that with their own personal experience they're like what what are you talking about just do what they say and they'll be fine right and that's how i mean personally it was for me i've never actually had any bad experience with cops i've always just been kind of fucking with them right but i do understand other people have not had good experience with it. so so sometimes it's like it's a little bit more complicated than the rigid like the things that we're saying i think it, sometimes it depends I guess is the best way I can put it. Sometimes it, I'm not it, right, and I'm not. I'm not saying that I I can't let someone else's experiences inform the way that I see the world, and that the peculiarities of their uh, genetic makeup certainly inform uh, their experience. There's and I, not I'm even not, that is how people treat those things that are otherwise meaningless. Basically, like we kind of no, no, like no, how, more how, more that yeah, more what yeah, you just said right, than what I right. yeah the way that you yeah because basically it how better. people view the world and how they treat others does not make that so right so it's kind of backwards where it's like people treat uh specific groups differently but that itself does not mean that those groups are different right it's like it's the other way around yeah oh we could news peg this now over to the leah thomas thing if we wanted to which is that leah thomas is the transgender swimmer from the university of pennsylvania who just won the 200 and the 500 meter freestyle, I believe, setting the the pool records at the Ivy League championships that just happened. She swam for Penn the first three years of her career as a man. This is a story that's been going on now for the entire year, basically right. the, the 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 academic year here, because she took a year off from the swimming team. She's now a fifth year senior. She was a, I believe the. The dead name is Will. I believe that she was Will Thomas the first three years, and now she's Leah Thomas. And she was a, a, a mediocre swimmer as a in the male category. And I mean, she's n- mediocre at that level, but they were good yeah, enough to compared be at to me. Level. She was a phenom- yeah. she, he, he was a phenomenal male right. athlete, and and you know, sure, great. Now as a transgender woman. Is, has dominated the the pool to the point where she was setting records and the most telling stat that I saw about her swim this weekend was that in the uh, in the two hundred I think it was which is four laps of the pool her fourth lap was the was faster than her first lap and oh wow and in the freestyle you jump off and you dive in. So your first lap is always going to be your fastest lap if you're giving it uh, the full and proper effort. But she apparently was able to hold enough back that her fourth lap was actually her fastest lap out of the 200, which is very unusual apparently. And suggests that she might be in the pool not necessarily giving it her all all of the time, but still winning by like half a lap. Thoroughly dominating the field, basically. And this has been a big story in 
in Clay Travis land, in, right. in Breitbart land, in, in Ben Shapiro land for the last six months and has been almost entirely ignored or not discussed on the other side of the situation. Now, there was a story from NPR that aired this morning, I think, and I won't play a clip here, but whatever. They, they end up – they don't talk to anyone who expresses anything like being opposed to the idea – Not on that, the record – Right, right. That that what that would go on the record, or 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 they don't grant anonymity to anyone who would be willing to off the record say what they're actually thinking. And I think that that is uh, that's sort of the story here is that right. there's there's one segment of the population that is willing to have the conversation in an open and honest way, and then there's the NPR crowd which is not remotely interested in interrogating the situation in an honest way. Right. Now, and, and I guess it kind of ties into the, the staircase and other things. I, I, I guess I never really appreciated how important stories are to, to people. Like the story you tell about yourself or about whatever is it kind of runs everything else. Everything else is a result of that story that you tell yourself. And so like the issue people find themselves with is you have this uh, swimmer born a man, transitioned into a woman, everything is fine. You can do that, right? But when you're talking about a competitive physical sport, right? A sport where, you know, seconds make a difference. A sport where tenths of seconds make a difference. Right. It's hard to make the case that physicality is not important and 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 your sex if you're a man born a man you don't have insurmountable advantages when it comes to swimming right regardless of the fact that you identify and you should be treated as a woman right so there's this there's this small little area where this becomes an issue which is basically competitive physical sport if this is a non-competitive whatever at a lower level this would not be a story, and also this is such a rare occurrence that it, it shouldn't merit like all of this talk. But on the issue at hand, instead of just like waving it away, that is an insurmountable gap, and it's not fair to the competitive women swimmers who were born women to compete against that because it's hard to do. Right now, the story that a lot of people tell themselves is a you know, trans women are women, right? Which is gen almost always true right it's a story it's a story that i agree with there is an exception to that though and this is the exception right and so the 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 very clear trans women or women thing can be violated and that's why i think a lot of people are just avoiding this issue because it violates that original story which is trans women or women but to me right. it seems like if you come across something like this, then there's no other way around it. I don't know what else you could do. I mean, it, it sucks for her. You have to, I mean, what, is there a way to measure testosterone amounts in someone's yes. blood? The, so the other end of the Because like, that's that, the yeah. only way, and the, then you're going to get in trouble the because some women are going to have more testosterone, right. even so, though they're fully born women, whatever. The bureaucratic right. end of the story is that the USA Swimming Federation, or whatever they call themselves, just announced new rules about the precise amount of testosterone that is allowed to be found in the blood of a woman who's transitioned from being a man wait, to a wait, woman. Wait, 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 wait. Why not over the just everyone? Of, of the last three years. Because, because of the combined fact that they had gone through puberty 
and that they are now on testosterone suppressors and taking estrogen that the the number of the amount of testosterone you have to show over the uh, over a 3 year run the number is 5 i don't know what the fuck the 5 represents what? if it's 5 micrograms five. or milliliters or inches or however they're like who knows what the fuck it is that they're measuring 5 feet of testosterone at first it was going to be some larger number than 5 but then they settled on uh, 5 and then the the Ivy League which had previously said we are going to follow the dictate of whatever the U.S. Swimming Federation says, those will be the rules that we follow. They had to then uh, go back on their original promise that they would follow that because that would have meant kicking uh, Leah Thomas out of the pool for this this past weekend's Was she over whatever standard they came up with? Yeah, I mean, in part because she had... It, the three-year standard doesn't make any sense as applied to her because she was a, she has only transitioned in the last year. Right. So basically it would... They, they said that she's grandfathered in, although I'm sure that that's not an acceptable term no, to use. <laughs> definitely uh, not. Either. Why don't they test, like, cis women? Yeah, and that's the thing, is that they will. Do so, it. like, cast, it was a caster uh, summon. Fucking do it then. Yeah, like the South Africa. Is that yes. the one taking of? Caster summon Yanka, maybe, is the name, although that's too German of a sounding name, and it's not what I wanted to do. But yeah, there was that, that African sprinter who. But they were actually they, – they were born a woman too, right? Yeah. Like they, she was born just, a woman, had spent her whole life yeah, as a woman. Yeah, but if we're going to make rules, then they have to be fair. Right. So if you're not right. allowed to and have that irony, much testosterone, then the, you're not right. allowed to have that much right. testosterone. But the irony of having this conversation about how much of a certain chemical or, or a hormone is coursing through the blood – of these people. And so having this conversation very much in terms of biological realities at a time when this is the same crowd who denies entirely the existence of biology as a relevant factor here, but you know, is is funny. So you're never, so by, by having these sorts of standards, whatever they, no matter how far you lower them or how, how you make them so that they're more favorable to the trans athletes being permitted to compete, you will never satisfy a certain segment of the crowd that says the biology is an, is entirely a construct of the society, that, that, that biology is downstream from culture, basically. Right, which is and that, preposterous, It's absurd, right? but, you're never, but that you're never going to convince the activist class that that's not absurd. But do you know, and again, this goes back to the point I'm saying about how powerful stories are, that preposterous statement is in the service of adhering to the story, all right? Basically, it's like whatever it takes, I'll say, so long as it... it it comports with the story that we are telling ourselves, right? And so sometimes it's like you can't just will anything to happen into existence. Sometimes you're going to run into issues where you need to have some other way to go about it. And and to me, I think the the least disruptive, simplest way to go about it is for competitive, collegiate level and up, just do uh, assign it by sex. If you're, you're, whatever your sex was at birth, that's what it is. Because I think right. you will run into other problems when you try to come up with some sort of formula. Right. And so you presented a few minutes ago a, a very coherent and, by my, from my perspective, a very respectful and honest reflection of the problem here. Right. And the and the the thing that you did, and not that everything should automatically be defaulted to the the reasonable moderate view necessarily right, right? that right. and not that there always is a reasonable moderate view that should be the one that is applied to every situation 
But most people, and, and this goes for the, any polling that you do, they would laugh us, our position, our nuanced conversation about this right out of the fucking room. Right. Because they're, they're like, what, what are you talking about? That dude can't swim with those chicks. Right. Like, <laughs> right. that's not fair. Yeah. Like, that would that's the that's right. the very not that it's OK, not that it's right. But I'm t- I'm saying that's the overwhelming majority that's the of, the, of the knee jerk reaction. And it's not always swimming. Like there's been such stories in mixed martial arts and boxing where it becomes a little even more physical. Uh, where people are like, are you kidding me? Like, you right? Can't. And don't get me, don't get me. Like, I think that there's a lot of it that is gross, right? Not, not to discount that. Like, some of the parents on these swim teams are saying things like, "She may be a she now, but she still has her penis, and that penis is being seen by women, and that penis has had sex with women before, and that penis is now in the locker room with my daughter. That's inappropriate." It's like, what are you talking about? Right. Uh, also, uh, pe- to say nothing of all the vaginas in the locker right. room that have had sex, like. Uh, Plenty of lesbians on the swim team. Like the the question of sexual attraction or previous sexual attraction. Yeah, that's yeah. That, uh, yeah. Uh, get, like so, there's plenty of nonsense. Also, uh, just a point of clarification, and unless I've been doing it wrong for all these years, uh, the penis plays no role in swimming. It's mostly <laughs> everything else. But go ahead. It must. They're all so fast. Right. But like, I I think that's the problem that people can get past. And I think, I guess the current strategy is when this comes up, just kind of either minimize it or just kind of say, oh, this is a Travis whatever kind of beat. You know, that's the story. And yeah, if you click on any like uh, right of center media outlet, these are the kind of stories that get bandied about because they kind of see, I guess, a weakness to say like, look how radical they're being, right? And so if you don't have like a reasonable answer to that, then... You're just kind of seeding ground and letting other people just characterize all, you. It also doesn't help that this is like an exact sort of situation that five years ago would have been bandied about as an absurd hypothetical from right. the other side, right? Like you can, one can imagine Rush Limbaugh being on the air in 2013 or whatever saying, you know what these insane liberals want is they want uh, they want any – strapping young man to be able to walk into a swim meet and say i'm a woman now and now i'm going to compete against the girls like that's what that's what these transgender activists are actually about and everyone would laugh it off and say don't be ridiculous that's never going to happen i mean but that's like that's the situation right a variation of that happened with the bathroom nonsense right i mean it wasn't swimming but they're like oh they're they're elements out there they're concocting scenarios to become a woman so they can walk into some dirty ass bathroom to like look at people taking a shit i don't i don't don't know if that was the whole story but it was some weird thing in fact i think like the state of north carolina passed some bill and a lot of people got upset and there was a change in parties and some companies did a boycott it was a whole thing but basically yeah this is just an extension of that sort of thing where like look what they're doing Right. And like the problem is that it strikes most people, and I can't stress that enough, like most people who aren't on Twitter, as absurd that a man can swim in the girls' race right. and compete and win. And it does. It makes a complete mockery of, of women's competitive sport if you're going to have – I mean, and that's not to disparage Leah Thomas in any way. Right? right, it's just a different thing, and maybe there should be. Is there, as the you pe- were saying, maybe there, maybe there 
should be men's and women's, and then maybe there's a third category. Maybe we have an intersex or a or a trans category. Are there are there uh, people are there proponents of this where they they don't even consider the modifying your testosterone? Are, are there people that are like, if you are a trans woman, you don't have to do all these other things. You don't have to jump through these hoops. Is there an element of that, or is it mostly like as long as you compile uh, comply with the testosterone requirements? Right. I don't, would- I don't know if there are people who say that you must take all actors as though they are good faith actors uh, and that – Right. Bec- yeah. <laughs> right because but who knows? The- Maybe I identify as a woman and part of my identification as a woman is that I want to take a bunch of tea. Like, like right. maybe yeah. that's just who because I am as, as a woman. woman. You, I mean you should be able to do whatever, right? But I wonder if there's anyone out there who would be for just disbanding the segregated uh, man women divisions. Does, right. So where well, does men where would does win everything? Where does Katie Ledecky end up? Do we ever know right. Katie Ledecky's no. name if there's not a no. women's sport? If the if do we ever know Serena and Venus Williams names? Maybe. Right. If there's not a distinction between men's tennis and women's tennis, right? Right. Like Pete Sampras right now at fucking fifty five or whatever he is could go out and dominate the women's tour because he's built different than they are. Right. It's just a. It's just. A fact. It doesn't mean. It, could he do it every week, in and out? No, probably not. But like, but the notion that like Rafa Nadal could quit today, the men's tour at 35 years old, he's he's won as many titles as anyone in history, and he could go and 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 just dominate the women's tour for the next 20 years without even having to worry about the torque that he's putting on his knee because he wouldn't have to put in nearly right. as much effort. Right? It's and, absurd. And the thing I always try to point out is that this is not a reflection like poorly of women or anything like that it's like men don't have to worry about giving birth right so they can it's not a question of values right Right. it has nothing to do with values right it's just and if you're trying to ascertain who's the best at this you're trying to control for factors outside of talent right and so like I when I was in high school, believe it or not, I was in the wrestling team. I wasn't particularly hey, good, we but know whatever. All about your wrestling, and, <laughs> and they had weight classes. Like at the lower levels, they they would be separated by ten pounds, as little as ten pounds apart. Right yeah. when it got to my level, it was like, I oh, you fat asses, just whatever. If you're above this weight, do whatever. But the the concept behind weight classes in boxing and other such sports is you're trying to control for factors outside of your skill set, right? So like if a 250 pound person beats a 150 pound wrestler, is it because he just sat on them and, and tired him out? Or is it because they were right? A, it's, why, it's why the expression pound for pound, the, the right. strongest fighter pound for pound exists, right? right? Right. And so like if 10 pounds makes a difference, like it should stand to reason that like a different gen uh, sex makes a difference like a different like i i just don't see how that's not obvious but it runs afoul of the story and so you have to pretend right, that that's but not we're true se- but we've decided as a culture to center something as a story that is not central to everything right like it can be central to you as a person it can be central to the way that you move through the world but it's not central to the badminton court right Right. it's not like it's just it's it's a different thing and and i don't know how you escape it as a culture i don't know what the what the recourse is 
for because it, it, what, what I don't mean to suggest is that we need to step back this whole transgender thing, right? Right. Like it's not that's not what I'm saying at all. But there are there are avenues in which the transgender thing just shouldn't be part of the conversation, and I don't know how you convince the absolutely morally certain people on one side that the eighty percent of the population is not just a bunch of cavemen, right? Because right. They, they'll they'll simply always go back to saying, well, until the Civil Rights Act, uh, black people weren't full citizens. Until uh, 1918, women couldn't vote in this country, right? Like, right. it's it, everything is impossible until the impossible happens, and then all of a sudden, it all makes perfect sense. It's like gay marriage in this country was completely inconceivable 20 years ago and right. is now not just the law of the land, but uh, uh, the cultural tide has shifted in dramatic ways. And it's hard to convince people who have seen that sort of change that 20 years from now, we won't all be laughing about how bigoted we were when it comes to Leah Thomas in the year 2022, right? But I don't think, I really don't think, and of course it's impossible to see these sorts of things. That's the nature of it. Right. It's you don't see them coming until they've come. But I just I cannot imagine that 25 years from now we'll be looking back at the at the caveman position of 2022 as uh, dudes can't swim against right. women in competitive sports. Right. I, I suspect uh, the absolutist or at least some of them are probably concerned that if they give an inch, it will undermine whatever progress there has been. But I think what they should recognize is that this actually undermines the progress because basically it's like if you're this inflexible on this issue, I mean, this swimmer is – it's not even close. I mean they're, they're very good at beating the competition at this uh, – I guess it's an Ivy League school, right? This uh, Penn? Yeah. Uh, but like – Yeah, it's the, are, Ivy that, it's the Ivy that Trump went to though, so it barely counts. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I suspect there will be more examples like this and the position – I think is untenable to just say there's no problem, right? If more and more like women athletes are losing in these events, and again, I think this is overblown. I mean, it's it's a very rare occurrence, but you should come up with a system that kind of captures both interests. You know, to say that in some some events when it's a competitive physical sport at at a certain levels, you just can't have it be, you know. Right. It's as stupid as like the men bobsledders get down the hill faster than the women bobsledders do for like any number of almost an incalculable number of strange realities about biological difference. Right. Right. And it's stupid. They're just driving a big fucking metal and plastic sled down a icy slide. Like, why should there be such a dramatic difference in the, in the outcomes there? Once you account for like uh, body weight, but there is. It's just the, It's just what the situation is. Slightly and I don't related. Know why it's imperative to deny those sorts of realities. I, I I haven't watched again almost any of the Olympics, but who was clamoring for a mono bob? Like they have yet another. <laughs> Get on this thing. We thing. forgot after the Super Bowl. I Bob meant to bring this up it. last week, but the mono Bob was the <laughs> was the event that they decided was worth putting on after the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl ends. It's like stay tuned because you know the networks are often 
try to put up a big, like, give yeah, some hot new show. it's like some big deal thing. Right, like right. the X-Files was once the, the post-Super Bowl show because they wanted to get a big audience in for the X-Files, and they're, they're, I think they've done, like, Law & Order events before. Like, all sorts of stupid shit follows the Super Bowl. But to put the monobob as, the, as yes. the big event that they want you to watch, and first of all, there are so many jokes that I get that because I've never <laughs> in my life seen the phrase or word monobob before. I think you're not alone in that because I've never heard of it until that that night. Uh, you know, I mean, they're endless. Like, yo, know, the monobob. My parents told me not to monobob so much when I was a kid, and now it's an Olympic event. Thanks for nothing, <laughs> mom and dad. Uh, By the way, that's a, that's a jerk off joke. Just to yeah. be clear, yeah. <laughs> this. This must have been a concession to the advertisers of the Olympics, right? Because, as you say, the general thinking and the Super Bowl is on a rotation to all the people who pay money for the regular season packages. So it goes to NBC, CBS, Fox. I don't think ABC is in the rotation anymore. Mono Bob is just what I do at the top of the show every week. (laughs) That's true. Sorry, go ahead. Actually, rename it to that, yeah. (laughs) People can just go right to that. Uh, But... The general thinking is that you have this audience, and you only get this once every three years, every four years, and so you want to get whatever audience members just stick around to watch whatever's after uh, the Super Bowl to a new show or a show that you're trying to promote or a show that you see some promise, but it has sagging ratings. You're trying to get it in front of the most audience, right? And that's why you would have X-Files or like, I think CBS tried to do the equalizer as the, hey, Mm. watch this shit. But the not the not, winter- not 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 to go down a, a, an appropriate Uh-oh. road here, but is there anything less believable <laughs> than Queen Latifah being able to do like very serious martial arts <laughs> to take down potential suspects? Like I don't if, I don't buy it for a second. Anyway, I, I think that there's a, for those who haven't seen it, but there's like a Taken Eleven or whatever with Liam Neeson, and there's a scene where he's trying to scale a fence and there's like 20 different cuts because they can't 75 year old liam neeson right which equally as unbelievable as queen latifah (laughs) doing fucking olympic level judo on murder suspects (laughs) anyways there is no uh bump that you can give i mean this is a fixed event every two years they either have the winter olympics or the summer olympics it is a its own attraction right and so it was weird that nbc was like let's promote the thing that is supposed to be promoting other things i mean you're supposed to have it should be the the lead in for other tentpole that's the tentpole not not the other way around and so like it's just weird that you would have one after the other but like i suspect because the ratings weren't as hot and maybe it's because of china or maybe because we had the olympics six months ago and people were like all right enough of that but they were struggling and they were like let's Let's you know, the, the rumors were back in the 90s that Marilyn Manson had a couple of uh, ribs removed so that he could monobob. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's an auto fellatio joke. I think we're not allowed to talk about him anymore. Yeah. Right. That's too yeah, big we of have an to... investment, though. Anyway, the uh, Olympics wrapped up. I didn't watch very many of the Olympics. I'm going to give you the space, Abe, to say <laughs> why... Because I've seen you brush up against this take in the past. I don't think that you've ever fully fleshed it out 
and we sort of talked about it last week where I was complaining about the the buffering of the of the streaming versus actually watching the sport live. Right. The problem with these last couple of Olympics, especially being on the other side of the planet, is that there's just never any drama when yes. we get to eight or nine o'clock in prime time here on the East Coast. And it makes it impossible to take seriously unless you're willing to play like this stupid game in your head where you're like, nope, I don't actually know. Well, we stayed up and watched the snowboard cross thing. That was cool. Yeah, that was fun. But like you have to willingly suspend all of your uh, cognitive faculties, right? So that you don't go just look on your phone to find out what the outcome was. Or you pretend that you didn't get the notification that the Russian girl who was uh, banned or will be banned for doping fell and ends up finishing fourth. And now you're going to watch all of the dramatics play out live. Like right. it just sport is impossible to watch on tape delay. Yes. Especially in the current times where, I mean, I have my phone. It gives me information, you know, for certain outlets, and I'm not willing to, like, switch it up and change it up to, like, avoid something for 12 hours so then I can watch it later. So all the information that's coming in, if, like, some uh, American skier shits the bed and, you know, they're a favorite and they kind of crash and they don't make it, I see it as soon as it happens. I mean, I hear about it, right? And so, like, I have no interest in actually watching that. So Uh, would you – are you disparaging – Winter Olympics as sport in general, or so, if it were happen if it were happening in Toronto or Vancouver or or Utah or something, would yeah. you be more invested? Right. I think the primary factor in whether I watch the Olympics or not is if it's within three time zones. Either way, right. Paris, I'll make an exception for. So that's like the main thing. So like if it was in Vancouver or in Salt Lake or whatever Montreal, I would watch it. Uh, but if it's in Asia or Australia or well, what is that what country, is Paris New Zealand, is what going to be five hours difference? Yeah, it's five. Yeah, they so can make five, that work if they, if yeah, they, if they do enough is, of the events in the daytime or the afternoon. Then you know we'll get plenty of good live events. Right. So time zone is the number one factor. The second factor is like how many sports do I actually care about? And like with the Winter Olympics, it's basically hockey and figure skating. I don't really care right. that much about all the other sports, even the curling, right? And in the summer, there's like swimming, there's track, there's to basketball. Say, to say nothing of the monobob. <laughs> <laughs> they did not win me over with that. Maybe there's uh, other things. And this is what I'm going to call my spinoff podcast. <laughs> and also, <laughs> I assume that this episode will be somehow will somehow include the monobob as a title. But uh, <laughs> there's also the who are these people kind of thing. Like um, there are some of my friends who seem to get in on the Olympics no matter what, and they keep track of these people. I don't, right? So like it needs to be like a ready-made thing for me. Like in the summer sports, I know all of the participants or most of the the, the, the top flight ones, like Bolt and in basketball and in Michael Phelps and swimming. So these are known quantities, and so I can kind of follow them along. Other than like that ginger guy, um, I don't really know too many of these winter people, right? So, so right. I don't know. And, what... and even even the one winter, the 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 skier, Michaela Schifrin. Yeah, she she's the one the that kept on just like eleven times. Yeah, yeah she's so. the one that I kept on getting notifications about failing. I was like, boy, that poor girl. I yeah. I disagree because I think the fun thing about the Olympics is watching a bunch of fucking nobodies be celebrities for a minute. 
Right. Like it's cool. I'm tired. Ty- you know, I see, I see people I know do stuff that they, they do it all the time. Right. Like, and, yeah. Th- that's their job. That's it's the amateurism that everyone always talks about. It's nice. That wins me over within three time zones. Sure. But outside right. of that, like, I mean, I would still watch if I guess, what is it? It's Paris and then LA. Oh, that'd be great. LA would be fine. I don't know where they're doing it in 26, but like, those are the two main factors. But usually it's like, there's no end for me here. And then I think like this year, there weren't even professionals in the hockey one because of the COVID uh, break that they took. Right. And so I, I was like, well, I guess I'm not watching anything. I mean, obviously you didn't take any sort of moral stance here because China. No, no, hosting, no, no, but no. It is I take no moral stances. We're going to get, right. We're going to get back to back major international sporting events where it's China hosting the Olympics, despite all of the, the Uyghur problems. And then we're going to get the, the oh, Qatar. World Cup at the end of this year, isn't it? Yeah, they're moving it because it's so fucking hot from the usual summertime to like November, December. And it's still going to be too hot there. It's still, yeah. I mean, it'll just be slightly less hot. But yeah, that that is true. This is the, the bookend. It's like shitty like uh, uh, regime hosting the Olympics at the beginning, very corrupt on the end where like these indentured servants or passports are confiscated and some of them die and live in squalid conditions. And, you know, that's not the part we're going to watch. We're going to watch the fun kicking the ball thing. Yeah. All right. Speaking of shitty regimes here, quickly, I've been reading about fucking redistricting for like a month now. So we're going to do it. We're going to do a lightning <laughs> five minutes on fun, fun, gerrymandering fun. In, the, in the United States. And all it comes down to right now is that so far, this is as of a couple weeks ago anyway, we have approved maps for 327 out of the House's 435 districts. So it's like, you know, over half of the states have approved new maps based on the census, the 2020 census, right? So that right. every 10 years, the U.S. Census Bureau gets a new count of where Americans are in the country, and then the states are then permitted to redraw their congressional districts based on the new population data. And some states have have partisan realignment where they have uh, whoever is in control of that particular state legislature gets to make the map and then they can fight it out in court if there's a problem. Some states have independent committees that do it. There's been a push in recent years for more of uh, that mode to be the way things are done to let to let nonpartisan uh, groups make these sorts of decisions. But when they say nonpartisan groups, for example, in Virginia, that just means that like there's a par- there's a, a committee of twelve and six are Democrats and right. six are Republicans. Right. So call it nonpartisan all you want, but it's just in in this state anyway, it j- ends up just being horse trading. Bipartisan. Right. It should be it's, like offsetting partisans. Right. And, and they have, I think, in this state also, they like have a bisexual. They have a <laughs> like a citizens committee that's supposed to just be drawn from like the everyday citizens who have to put their their stamp on it at the end of the day. So a little bit silly. Now, all of these efforts uh, for the, those states that want this, it almost feels like they're trying to separate partisanship from a process that's hard not to be partisan about because it, if you're able to construct a map in on the state to 
get an extra Republican vote, uh, vote or uh, an extra Democratic vote and you're one of those two things, it seems like it's too tempting of an opportunity to pretend that people are going to be impartial, right? Is that like right. a – is that a – too big an ask because all of these different commissions, their results have so far have been very uneven, right? It hasn't been like, you know, this utopia where everything worked out well. Some Right. Right. There's just not – none of the solutions have so far proven to be solutions. And then right. – so even stepping back, stepping back from that though and getting to what's actually happening on the ground in states like New York and Texas, what the, the, the trend here – is not a a partisan gerrymander, uh, although New York is very much that. New York is very explicitly going and 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 reducing the number of potential Republican districts in in a in a very dramatic way, basically eliminating competitive districts. New York, on the old map, had uh, twenty seven districts. And they had seven that either were hard Republican or leaned Republican, and three that were considered competitive or toss-ups. Now they've lost a seat, so they only have 26 districts. They have four that are going to be hard Republican, none that lean Republican, two that are toss-ups, and all the rest of them, the other 20, are, are either lean rep- Democrat or are all but guaranteed to be Democratic districts. And so from the old map, they've added three Democratic-leaning seats, taken away three Republican-leaning seats, and taken away one highly competitive seat. And, and this, that, is, this is a state that strives to fix the system, right? And basically this is more of the same, right? They are in a position to improve their position, and they have done so. Right, and it's, and it's repeated in Texas where Texas basically – uh, did the same thing, but in reverse, obviously, right. because it's Republicans who are in charge. On the old map, it was 36 districts, and they're now going to 38. And what they've done is they've eliminated five of the competitive districts. And instead, there's only going to be one re- one district that is expected to be reasonably competitive. And it's Texas's 15th, which is down there like this weird uh, jagged L starting way down at the Mexico border at the very, the, the very bottom of Texas. And it goes all the way up into the middle of the state, almost to Austin, basically to, to San Antonio. And that's the only competitive district in the entire state. The rest of them are either are plus six or more in one way or another. And so what they did is instead of having toss up States, they said, okay, the Democrats have taken hold of the of the big cities, so we're going to pack them all into as as few districts as we possibly can, and then the rest of the state is just going to be red. So these efforts are going to produce more partisanship, more ideologically out there candidates, right? Because basically, the the biggest obstacle will be clearing the primary hurdle. Right, right, that's where the competition will be. And Texas is a great example of that because Texas actually ends up adding more guaranteed Democratic districts. In your head, you think, well, why in the world would Texas Republicans decide to guarantee more seats to the uh, Democratic delegation out of out of a red state? And the answer is because they would rather just not have to compete in those anyway, right? So right. they're 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 getting a, a net loss in terms of their 
overall potential for for what the ceiling is, but they've raised the floor right. well past the point where they could ever conceivably really lose the control of the state, right? And that is that has been the biggest surprise to me in the last year. Basically, a year ago, six months ago, I would have guessed that they would the attempt would be to try to get more seats, right? But instead, I think um, 538 has a map that's keeping track of this. And currently, as you said earlier, Bob, uh, not all districts have been sorted out. But of the ones that have, there's a net loss of three seats for the Republicans and a net gain of 11 seats for the Democrats. That is surprising, right? But I guess if you look at it from the other point, like they don't care about running up the margins. As long as they have enough to, to take over the House, it's not like they have a big plan to do things, right? It's more like either keep things the same or kind of undercut previous legislation that have been passed that they don't like, right? So they're, like the a 2023 Speaker of the House, Republican, let's say McCarthy or somebody else, they don't need like a super majority to do the things they want to do, right? They can obstruct right. with Large, just the bare majority. Because they don't want to do anything. Right? right. Because, yeah, doing something puts you on the hook, you know, for how that thing shakes out right so it's kind of like i've always said this of trump like he's like the quintessential backseat driver except he was in the front seat right for four years basically it's like oh do this you know turn here like all of these opinions about how you should do it the right way and there's a lot of that with the current uh gop but as long as they get the house it doesn't matter the margins right and so looking back at it now i can kind of see where they're getting at but it is a surprise to me that they're going this path to where yeah. you're just going to have a lot of crazy people in the party. It's only right, and you cannot stress that enough. That it only makes everything worse when yes. the, all of the all of the question happens in the primary. It means that you're going to have way more Marjorie Taylor Greens, way more uh, Louis Gohmert's, right? Yes, way more uh, fucking Dan Crenshaw types. And or, even or, he is no longer. That, what's troubling is that no matter how bad shit crazy someone is coming in in the 2014 cycle, 2016, 2020, 2022, it always gets worse because apparently Crenshaw now is on the outside because he said right. one or two Crenshaw sensible is things. Not Crenshaw is not insane enough now that Madison Cawthorn is out there. Right, right? but like, Cawthorn will meet the same fate in 26, right? It, it always gets dumber. It's like a bottomless pit, right? So people who think that, oh, I'm going to get to the right or to the left of somebody, there's always someone else new in this environment that's going to get a lot of a lot of uh, traction by going even further, right? Right. 20, 26 of the 327. So there are 300 out of 327 301 of them will be decided in the primary. Yes. Right. And, and Wasserman, who works for Cook Political Report, his current prediction is that it, we're going to max out at something like 30 to 35 competitive seats out of the 435 districts. So there will be 400 races that are decided in the primary. Right. And and something like 35 that will actually be decided on election day in any sort of meaningful way. And that is a disaster for for making congress less of a crazy place and, it is a recipe for making it a far worse place and even if that message got out to everybody that in most of these districts the primary is the main event the turnout will always lag from the general election so even fewer people will decide who the candidate 
of that party will be, and then that person will win, right? So it's like a very small segment of the district that's already been decided by the politicians. It's a very messed up system. You're necessarily having a much dumber conversation in the primary, right? Yeah. Because you're just talking to your co-believers. You're, yeah. you're just talking to people who ostensibly are already on the same side as you, and that you're just trying to prove your conservative or democratic bona fides, depending on which side of the aisle you're on, and you're therefore going to make increasingly outrageous claims and, and attract increasingly outrageous people right. uh, who, are, who are going to declare themselves to be more pure than the person that they're trying to replace. And not to say uh, pox on, on both your houses as, as some sort of a pure political standpoint of my own, but like a pox on both your fucking houses, Democrats and Republicans, because they're both doing it. They're both doing the exact same thing, depending on which, whichever state you go to. Like, and, and, and we've had to endure lectures from the Democratic side of the aisle for the last few years about how Republicans are uniquely anti-democratic, that they're a threat to democracy, that they're a threat to the, to the ongoing uh, good functioning of the republic. And to the extent that that's true, sure, you're right, right? Like there, there are plenty of crazies on the Republican side. But you're just doing the same thing. You're only doubling down on a problem that is, that is just going to make things worse. Right. And do do you find this argument convincing that there is no utility in unilateral disarmament, right? So it's like there's a recognition that this is not a good system, but if you take one course that limits you maximizing the number of seats that are favorable to your party and the other side does not, is that progress? I mean, you just seem like you're just kind of undercutting yourself. And if you do it for one cycle to kind of show like a good faith kind of thing and then the other side joins you, then that's fine. That's a good investment, I guess. But if they never do that, then you're just harming your side. Right. No, it's a it's a it's a function of a system. It's not a, like it, it's ridiculous to ask the participants in the system to behave themselves when all of the incentives are aligned for them to not behave themselves. Right. right? So you need to find a way to make this less about uh party control. And I don't know how you do it. You, you, I don't know how you can rip from these parties the the power and control that they have over the functioning of the republic. I don't you could say we move to proportional representation or something like that, but that's it's hard to figure out how that works. Like how how are we just going to be sending schools of like we just we then we're just picking teams right? right then we're not even bothering to pick actual representatives from our own communities to represent us instead we're just it's then you're, what you're basically saying is this should function like an electoral college like right. none of the none of the solutions to it as presented seem to me to be actual solutions and therefore I don't have a good answer for what it should look like moving forward. Not that we always need to present one, right. but I know that it shouldn't look like this. Right. I, 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 there are a lot of things that you can do, but will never happen because you need to retool everything like with a proportional kind of system. You have to kind of change a lot of things. I do wonder if maybe there was an avenue to where they can do like a blind redistricting where you have like three scenarios, like you, you keep the same number of, of votes uh, or districts plus one, plus two, minus one, minus two, something like that to where like in 2019 before the census to know how the population shakes out, you already have it baked in. Like yeah. the, these are going to be the maps. And then however the population distributes will apply one of these predetermined maps. That right. way they're not right. like, I, 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 
some, something else that I forgot to mention that I want to get in here is like we, we have to endure the lectures about how the Supreme Court is stripping Alabamians of their civil rights by by saying giving the thumbs up to uh, a map that takes what was three black districts and packing all of those black voters into two, basically. Now, to the extent that there's plausible deniability that they're just doing political rather than racial gerrymandering, I think that that. That is true, right? It just so happens that most of the Democratic voters in the state of Alabama happen to be black people, um, or, or a preponderance of them anyway. Um, but to then, like, to, to have to endure, like, the, the lectures about how we're stripping people of their voting rights in Alabama and to hear crickets about what's happening in New York when right. it's the same thing. It's just right. that you can't put a racial tinge on it. Right. It's the same. It, it is the same thing. You're stripping whole swaths of the population of their chance of having meaningful representation from their area. Right. And it's the same thing in, in Texas is it is a completely party neutral problem. And I, I, I don't know. Right. I, maybe you can maybe you can start to fix it with a combination of ranked choice voting and primaries that are nonpartisan like that that can maybe if you have if you have fully nonpartisan primaries and you you just end up with the top 2 but who knows if that yeah. actually helps or not i don't one know. thing i would want to float it won't solve many problems but it may get to it is my 80 20 theory if Every ballot needs to have either no confidence or something like that, like a no confidence vote. Like, I'm here. I'm not like some absent-minded person. I'm here. I just don't like the choices, and I have no confidence. If you get an 80% turnout, at least 80%, and 20% of the votes go to no confidence, then it's a clean slate for the next— Basically, you can't have a re-election. It has to be a new class of candidates. That's to kind of reset. Like, to say if that many people are that unhappy about these choices— that we need new people to come in two years, and it'll repeat until you get the right mix of people. Yeah, and that doesn't mean just the winner. Like even the people on the ballot that lost, you have to sit out one cycle. But you have to kind of like retool the system to where people can give their feedback. Because currently, the current system dissuades so many people from even participating. Because like, what's the point? It's all at least in their estimation. What's the point? It's just a bunch of idiots. <laughs> And blah, 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 right? But if you have some sort of end, I mean, my negative voting thing didn't go anywhere, but where you get kicked out of the country, if you have net negatives, something like that. All right, it's getting late. I need uh, two sentences on Ukraine from you. What the fuck? So there's no military options, right, for the United States. Um, and so all of this economic package, blah, 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 would it be okay to do like a nuclear diplomatic option to say – we will not only do all the money stuff that doesn't seem to affect their decision-making, we will confiscate any property in NATO territory, any fancy posh building in London, New York, L.A., any of the higher-ups who... Right, all, the, all, of, all of the Russian oligarchs who have apartments in Trump yeah, Tower. all of that is now gone... the property of the, of the North American Treaty Organization. Right, and that's a lot of, like, metro, like a lot of uh, cosmopolitan cities that are included in that. Something where change it up a little bit, because I assume that Putin and his people have baked in what they anticipate will be sanctions, and they're still proceeding. And right. So, so I, what I, that's what I like about your suggestion here, as completely absurd <laughs> and absolutely not going to be implemented as Less it is. Less absurd than some stupid fucking bird killing a woman, but go ahead. 
uh, it punishes the right people, right? It, in theory, instead of uh, taking it out on the, the Russian populace at large, which is what economic sanctions, when levied against countries, tend to do, they tend to hurt uh, the, the people, right? With the right. idea being that the people won't want to endure this and will then put pressure on their leader to, to change. I don't think that Vladimir Putin is particularly... Uh, susceptible to that sort of pressure from his people, especially given the fact that even it, when in meetings with his closest advisors, he doesn't let anyone within half a football field, uh, in such, such that no one can like shoot him with a dart, I guess, or he doesn't have to breathe any of their air. Like he seems to have gone completely mad in terms of like the the crazy dictator stuff. Right. He wants to see at least this through, right? So he's like, I don't trust any of you. Right. And and watching uh, clips from that that meeting that he had today, and I don't speak Russian, obviously, so I didn't understand most of what was going on. But it was it was a bizarre sort of theatrical production of everyone getting up there and and talking about how great an idea this all was, and then a couple of people expressing less than obvious enthusiasm for what the the position was, and Putin like sort of giving them shit and making yeah. them say stuff. And also this this I mean I don't know shit about Russia and Ukraine but like that that's not going to stop me. Uh I suspect this is not what he I, I think he probably wanted some concessions by all of this movement and military posturing and he didn't get anything and it seems like cuz I don't speak Russian either he seemed pretty belligerent in his statements and now he's like pretending that these independent not really independent uh, regions of Ukraine want his assistance and he's going in on a peacekeeping mission. The whole thing is just like a farce. But I imagine that going into all of Ukraine can be done militarily, but it would be a disaster long term. So right. I think that what we're seeing here is what Biden predicted a couple of weeks ago, which is like a minor incursion, right? So this right. is that the, what, what Putin said today and what he did was – Basically to say that everything that we've been fighting a, a secret proxy war against Ukraine by, by having so-called separatists do all of the fighting for us in the eastern portions of the country and, and was it Luhansk and the Donbass region, whatever the, you know, whatever the words are. I don't yeah. know. This is the minor incursion in that, that this won't be considered by the Biden administration a meaningful incursion unless he actually goes past – the disputed territories that go back to like 2014, but, basically. But from what I gather from all the talking head, it seems like the buildup does not line up with just that region, right? And so him going into that region seems to be like a pretext for confrontation because Ukraine still controls part of those regions. And so inevitably there's going to be some sort of interaction between the two militaries. And that will give him the invitation to say, oh, you've crossed some line that I made up, and now I'm going to... Right, but I mean, so for all of his belligerence, do we really think, and I know that we keep, like, we joked, like, oh, there's going to be a land war in Europe. Like, but seriously, do we think that in a week from now, he's going to have Russian tanks on the ground in Kiev, or he's, he's going to have done an aerial bombardment of that of that city such that he can take back control of the of the government and install some fucking patsy to to run the show there in Ukraine. So, this is not the primary takeaway from all, this whole crisis over there, but I am at least reassured that the 
intelligence has gotten this right. They've been on a bad losing streak. They've been wrong so many times. Every report that has come out in the last 10 years or 20 years where intelligence thinks this with high confidence, half of that never pans out. But like all of this telegraphing, and some people were questioning whether that was wise, but at least everybody knows all the stuff they said before were lies because up until today, they were still keeping up with the lie. But all the reports that have come in from the intelligence people has been somewhat accurate to what's happening, right? Right, but but – is he crazy? Because if he's if if he's trying to reconstitute the USSR, basically he's trying he's trying to reconvene the the long lost Soviet brethren back in back into a pre nineteen ninety one. I mean that's sort of what we're talking right. I mean right. If in, if in they're sense, using Belarus as yeah. a as a launching ground so that they can take over Ukraine, like that's insane. If he thinks he's going to rebuild the USSR. And that NATO and the and the West is going to be fine with that. But what and if it, he, it, what it's if a it, weird romantic like death journey that he's on? And I don't know what like if he's just completely lost the thread. It's not good for the right. world order. No, no. It's, uh, hopefully, yeah. As as weird as it sounds, I would rather him be level headed evil than just <laughs> he just kind of lost the plot, right? Because right. with the second part, anything can happen. Uh, I suspect that, again, don't know anything about that, that region, but it seems like he's losing the hearts and minds of the Ukrainians, that they're more and more aligned with the Western Europe uh, culturally. And so maybe he's thinking, like, I'm losing grip and I need this. The, the time to strike is now because I imagine that this was his large plan, like Belarus, Ukraine, can't do shit about Poland now, but like trying to like do these uh have like a buffer of of countries between russia and and nato and he's like kind of losing ground so if there was ever a time to do something it's in the next couple of years and and why not now but this just sounds like a terrible idea i mean obviously it sucks for people in ukraine uh but i just don't get it all right so uh final prediction will will russia take over kiev before we reconvene here next week. And also, <laughs> by the way, awfully polite of Putin to wait until the closing ceremonies That's are right. done. I'm sure China told him, don't, don't fuck up our shit. Yeah. And I think there's some sort of like military day or something in Russia on the 23rd. So maybe it'll happen on this upcoming week. But my thinking up until Sunday uh, was there's no scenario where he inv- actually invades the whole country. He may like do some sort of regional thing like he did with... Uh, Crimea, but all signs point to like he's trying to just take the whole thing and install some puppet. So what's it going to be? Yes or no? I'm going to stick to my previous position. No scenario. All right, heard it here first. Abe is never wrong, <laughs> except all those times. Putin's just Putin's just fucking around. He's not going to keep. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head over to brainiron.com. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Haven't mentioned the email in a while. You can send an email to us at brainironpodcast at gmail.com if you like. Abe, we obviously were watching The Staircase this week. We also watched uh, the children's movie The Iron Giant with the kids, which is a classic worthy of that distinction. It's a wonderful movie. And if you haven't seen The Iron Giant, period, or if you haven't seen it in a long time, it is absolutely worth revisiting. It's on HBO Max, and it's a wonderful 
children's animated movie holds up. What about you? What do you get into? Uh, I I watched uh, this movie Uncharted with Marky Mark and the Spider Man <laughs> Kid, uh, and it was the a very, video game movie. Yeah, yeah, unremarkable movie, but you know it's what it's a video game movie. It's about what yeah. you would expect. And then on on TV, I, I actually just watched it earlier today on my holiday day off. Uh, on Netflix, Downfall. It was like the the fall of Boeing. Oh, how was that? Does oh, it make man. you never want to fly again? It, <laughs> no, not not quite. But yes, uh, I've actually uh, Frontline and other news magazine shows did stories on it. But this Netflix one, they did a good job of explaining something that either I didn't pay attention to the first time or they just have new information. But the the the, the steps that Boeing took to hide this MCAS thing that kind of fucked up those two planes was remarkable how they would go out of their way to not mention something that could potentially kill people on the plane. Like they kind of right. knew based on their tests. This, like, was, a, the, all, this was all in the journalism from, I mean, the, the Times had a very big and and thoroughly reported piece about all of that a couple of, yeah, and know, in, in this ago. In this uh, Netflix documentary, there were mostly following the Wall Street Journal person who broke yeah. at least two of the stories. But yeah, a lot of the different media outlets were on this. But it's remarkable how they basically they're just trying to pump the value on Wall Street and they were cutting all kinds of corners because Airbus was kind of gaining ground market share wise and basically there's right. like greed led we talk, to this. We we talk a lot about monopolies in the uh, like in the, in the, the current uh, economic sort of talking head sphere question of how dominant we want these tech companies to be and all of that uh in a in a rational marketplace i think I've, i don't know if i ever said this on the show back when this was happening like boeing would not exist any longer like there's yes. no defense for what boeing did where they they okay so maybe you lose one plane yeah <laughs> that's that's plausible. But for months later, for the same exact thing to happen and you lose another plane full of people, it's just completely unacceptable. And in a, in a, in a rational marketplace, we were supposed to have a free market, right? That would be, a, that would be a, a manufacturing outfit that no longer was permitted to, to make planes anymore, right? Right. Is that they how would the market would the- work? I mean, wouldn't you need like a regulator to step in and put a stop to it? Because – they were chronically. Well, what be- I mean is, we've gotten to the regulations are so married to the corporate interests yeah. that that it's impossible. Like Boeing is just too big to fail in every in every possible way. Boeing is too big to fail, and that's a that's very bad news for a company that probably should not. Be, it should be unincorporated. It right. shouldn't exist anymore. Uh, every every point along the way that is supposed to prevent these sorts of failures from the the regulatory framework both internally and externally failed right right it's a it's a complete it it should be a condemnation of the entire system that's true because the the story basically was like they were withholding information from the faa which has oversight over them and in and and on the money front between the first and the second incident jakarta and ethiopia there was there was a lot of blaming all the pilots, all oh, Jakarta pilots. They don't know what they're doing. They're not like American pilots, and just weird shit like that. Where it's like user error. That's the story. Then Ethiopia happens again, and they look at the black box as orange, um, and they notice all of this 
up and down, up and down, up and down. By the way, it must have been a horrible experience. It's not like you don't know what's happening until the end. Like the plane is violently no, going. No, it was up an actual down. an actual living nightmare yeah. until you died. Yeah, right. it's it and and both of the events were clear. They, you know, it's, it's not like cloudy and you're so you're seeing everything happen, and they were slow walking, uh, shutting down all the 737 maxes even after the second one happened where people are looking at the faa and boeing these people know what they're doing and they're still not doing anything and as a rebuke of sorts like all these other governments their regulation agencies shut down the flight and then eventually trump made a big show about shutting it down himself but it was just like all of it was basically money we don't want to lose any money we're cutting these corners because we want to make more money we don't want to uh, address the problem and we'll blame pilots because of money. All of it was just so we can make a little more money. They're all fucking rich. Exceedingly right. not, not rich. To mention all of the, not to mention all of the political incentives for an American airline manufacturer to continue to be the dominant force in the, in the global marketplace, right? right? right. So it's important to the United States government and therefore to our regulatory framework to maintain Boeing as yep. that sort of eco economic powerhouse. And that's fucked up. Right. <laughs> anyway, anything else? Did you you didn't go to the movies, right? You're waiting for. Uh, oh, yeah, I saw Uncharted, and then now this oh, weekend yeah. I'm gonna go to see the original Godfather and Dolby Vision, and then I'm gonna lose a lot of money in Vegas. I was actually considering uh, downloading the Downfall Netflix thing and watching it on the flight, but I was like, I don't wanna. Mixed don't want to freak out your neighbors, right. whoever's sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah, so this would look weird if I'm watching this, you know, airplane porn on uh, on the yeah. flight. Especially given, I mean, <laughs> not given the Point name, <laughs> given the phenotypical realities of your situation. Please don't make the person sitting next to you feel any more nervous than yes. they already will be. <laughs> anyway, you. Uh, you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. I think that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we will talk to you next time. Later. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about that show is that if they do not end the show with the owl theory, then there will have been no point. And and also the, the opening credits, you know how HBO especially does all the, like, their opening credit scenes are usually very highly well-produced and they look great yeah. and they're, they're set to, like, uh, a cover song of a, of a 90s alternative rock song or whatever. Uh, if there isn't, like, uh, big raptor energy somehow in the in the opening credits, like, there's a, <laughs> a looming, you don't even see the owl, but there's, like, a shadow over the, like, the, you can see the shadow of the owl flapping at some point yes. during the opening credits, I will be disappointed. You're just sad <laughs> that you didn't get to make the show. And that doesn't mean you can't. Now, you could do another the, one. The documentary people, to be... I assume that when they started this journey, whenever they did, they were not foreseeing this possible end, no. right? Where some bird would... Have they asked the guy? Maybe no fucking bird. What do you got? I'm on. I don't know. this <laughs> Maybe it's
it's like uh, you know being struck by lightning you're more likely to be yeah. struck by lightning in the future you just funny thing you mentioned that my grade seven geography teacher this is in canada he got struck by lightning twice that's what and usually that's it was happens. the craziest thing that's how is that possible if you like <laughs> become charged it's not usual <laughs> <laughs> Usually, someone gets struck by lightning. It's the only time they ever get struck by lightning. Right. It doesn't because generally it will kill you. Right? They then get struck by lightning again. And he can still point to where Ukraine was on the map. Hey, you know, he knew all of stuff, so like it didn't impact still point to where Ukraine anything. Was. Wow. Yeah, the more thorough understanding of Ukraine's borders than does the president of Russia, it would seem. fucking die out there. I'm sure we'll be I'm going to we'll put $10 touch, on 11 black to open the weekend and depending on which way it goes, that'll be the weekend. I will determine everything. Yes. All right. <laughs>